Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, this text, we, we need a little bit of background before we get into it. This text is Jesus sitting with the Pharisees at a dinner. We actually had the, the preface to this text at the beginning of Luke uh, 14 a while back, uh, where Jesus is sitting there uh, and he's, he's sitting next to the man with dropsy. Um, and there's all this conversation going on, and he starts teaching about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, uh, and that leads then into this text. He's been teaching the Pharisees, and he's continuing to teach the Pharisees, but also us, about the nature of God's kingdom, and so he tells this parable about the wedding banquet. Now, there are a variety of things that Jesus calls the church throughout the scriptures, either implicitly or explicitly. Uh, he calls, for example, the church his bride that he has uh, purchased with his blood and cleansed with the washing and uh, uh, rebirth of the waters of baptism, that he presents him, his bride to himself as that which is holy and blameless without any spot or blemish. Uh, he calls his church uh, his body. Uh, he calls his church his family. That's why uh, he is our brother, for example. Uh, he calls his church a hospital, that, that place in which uh, those who are sick meet their good physician and are made well. And here, he reminds us that one of the major pictures of the church in the scriptures is that of a banquet, of a wedding banquet. And there's two aspects of this. There is the wedding banquet that we have now in time as the church gathered. Uh, this is what we call in the liturgy the foretaste of the feast to come. And we have the eternal banquet that is uh, that those who have gone before us in the faith are, are already enjoying, that we look forward to joining with them, especially on the last day, that this eternal banquet that the Lord gives us to, to dwell at, uh, that is reflected here every, every time we gather. Now, what, what's the, the point? We maybe want to just kind of get to this immediately. What's, what's the point of this text? Like when you hear this text, what is it that you hear in it? And, and, and maybe it's evangelism. It's not necessarily wrong. Uh, that, that's there. It's not the main point, but it, it's there. That uh, We have this kind of towards the end. Uh, the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And th so there is this wonderful reality for us in the church that there's always room in the Lord's church. There's always room for one more, even if that means maybe we have to sit a little bit closer to one another, or maybe this is probably the most frightening thing as Lutherans, sit closer to the front. But there's always room. That there, there is this reality in the church. Uh, we talked about this before. Remember, uh, Luther has this scribbled in, in his uh, pocket. Uh, we are beggars 
showing other beggars where to find bread. And we might rephrase this a little bit. I think, I think Luther will be okay with that. Um, he's not going to tell me no. Uh, we are guests showing other guests where the kingdom is. Yeah? So there is, there is this kind of evangelistic reality to it. But again, that's not the main point. The main point is what is the reality of the Lord's church? What is the reality of his kingdom? And we see this particularly in those who are uh, brought into the kingdom, that those who end up there, that these are not those who are worthy. These are not those who are great. These are not those who are good. In fact, there's kind of this implication when, when he says, go out to the, the highways and the hedges, and you kind of, if you pause and you think, like, what are, maybe the highways would kind of get, what are, what are these people doing in the hedges? Well, this, this seems to be those who would be kind of hiding out, waiting to, like, uh, assault somebody. Those who end up in the Lord's banquet are sinners who are forgiven. Those who end up in the Lord's banquet are the sick who have been made well. Those who end up in the Lord's banquet are the unrighteous who have been shown mercy. But we're not quite there yet. We've got to back up. But because, before we get there, we get the group who was initially invited. And, and this is where we see the warning in this text. There are excuses. The servant goes out, and they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, we should maybe say at the outset, uh, having land, having oxen, it I don't think anybody in here is oxen, but if you wanted to have oxen, it's okay, as long as like the, the city allows you to have oxen. Uh, it, being married, none of these are bad, intrinsically. The problem is that they become the excuses that the people use to avoid the banquet. Now, this might not be our excuses. Uh, we, we may not be saying, I've got, I've got land that I just purchased and I need to go out and examine it. I've got uh, livestock that I've got to examine. I just got married and I can't show up. Um, but there, there are other excuses that we have that the Lord would have us be warned about. Uh, in, the, in the ancient church, uh, there was kind of the, the excuse that was there, and that, that was the excuse of fear. People were afraid because of the persecution that was going on in the church uh, concerning their lives. Um, you, you had this all over the place where when you were leaving the church, periodically there would be a government official standing there uh, bringing people into this little courtyard that they had set up, and they would ask this question. We've talked about this before. Um, or It wasn't a question. It was uh, offer a pinch of incense to Caesar and say Caesar is Lord. And we'll let you go about your day and, you know, go watch, go watch TV later. And the Christians over and over and over, they say no. Because they understand that that is 
a denial of Christ. But, but they are facing the executioner. To go to church means that you are very likely, in the ancient world, that you are very likely going to have to face your death. Now, thanks be to God, we have not really had to deal with this in America, although I don't know that it's necessarily been a good thing. It'd maybe be good if we had a little bit more of this. But what we tend to deal with, uh, because the devil is, as Luther reminds us, the master of a thousand arts, he's got all sorts of tricks up his sleeve by which he's going to try and bring excuses to us, we have other things that we might try and use as our excuses. It, it's not that we're afraid that there's gonna be a government official outside uh, waiting to execute us, but maybe there's, maybe, maybe the chiefs are playing early today, right? Or maybe there's a national championship going on, or there was a national championship going on the previous day and it was really late and you know now I'm tired. Or maybe I'm on vacation, or my job, or my general busyness, or my bed. We have all of these sort of temptations, and, and this, this hits all of us. That, so th this is me as well. Um, Pastors are not exempt from this. There, there are plenty of mornings where I also wake up and I have a temptation to not come. Now, that is a little bit harder for the pastor to get away with. Um, but there are always the temptations there. I, I know in the past, uh, this has come up and uh, I'll wake up and I'll say, uh, is, is, is my throat maybe a little bit sore today? Can, can I find a reason why, like, I just can't go. And I have to preach to myself that no, I, I need to be at the wedding feast. I need to be at the banquet, my family. That's where I belong. There are all these things that the devil comes in to tempt us with, to despise God's word and his gifts. There are all these things that the devil tempts us to desire more than what the Lord has here for us. Now, if that weren't bad enough, the other issue that's in here is that we're not worthy to be here to begin with. It doesn't matter who the person is, whether they are the atheist who just doesn't believe in God at all, or if they are uh, the Christian who has decided to pick and choose what is uh, to be believed in the Lord's scriptures, or us sitting here today, it doesn't matter. None of us deserve to be here. We aren't worthy to be here. And that's because it is our sin that makes us unworthy of this banquet. You'll notice that the the, the poor and the lame and the crippled, the blind, those in the highways and the hedges, they are not the first ones that get invited. The first ones that get invited are like all the worthy people. And we're not sitting in that group. We are sitting in the other group. And we need to realize this. That the reason why we are invited is not because of our unworthiness. We are invited 
because of the Lord's mercy. This is what we prayed at the beginning of the service. The Lord was my support in the day of my calamity. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because I was worthy. That's not what it says. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has rescued you. He has brought you into his banquet because he delights in you. This is a banquet that is only for sinners. This is, this is a banquet that is only for those who don't already have everything they need. It is for the unworthy. If you are good, then you do not need a savior. If you are well, you don't need a physician. If you're righteous, you don't need repentance. If you are holy, then you don't need forgiveness. If you are rich, you don't need generosity. And if you are already full, you don't need a banquet. But Christ, dear saints, is your Savior. He is your physician. He is your righteousness. And He has forgiven you, and He has given to you the eternal riches of the kingdom, and He feeds you. And this same Christ invites you into his feast to eat and to drink in his kingdom. Last week we had this, this text from Laz, about Lazarus and the rich man, right? And this is maybe a, a good way to think about this. Imagine for a minute you are Lazarus. And you're sitting there at this rich man's house and the rich man sends his servant out to go and invite everybody to come in, and you watch him walk by in his, his, all his regalia, and you know what he's doing. He's coming to invite people for a big party. And so you kind of clean yourself up because you know a lot of important people are going to be showing up because that's who shows up to these things is the important people, the worthy people. And you clean yourself up in the hopes that when they come by, maybe they'll toss a penny at you. But then something kind of strange happens. The servant comes back alone. And he goes back into the house. Kind of confused. A little bit annoyed because he got cleaned up for nothing. But then the servant comes back out. And he taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, come into the banquet. And, and we protest a little bit at that. But I'm, I'm not worthy to go into the banquet. I'm sinful. I'm unclean. I've got all these sores all over me. I'm going to get blood and dirt and muck and stench all over the, the Lord's tapestries and carpets and furniture. And he says, don't worry. Just come in anyway. He wants you there. And what is really quite wonderful about this is that the Lord then not only invites us in, then he cleans us up. He washes us in the waters of baptism, and he feeds us so that we would be full with his righteousness, not because we're worthy. None of us are worthy, but because he delights in us, because Christ has died 
because his blood then is your invitation into this feast. That this whole thing starts, this parable starts with this guy coming up and saying to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he doesn't even realize what it is that he's saying. There is the kingdom of God sitting there right in front of him at the table. So Jesus reminds us, here is the kingdom of God. Here is his table. Here is where he feeds us in his blessed feast. That Christ is here in front of you as your host and guest. And that you are blessed dining with your Lord in the kingdom of the eternal feast. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.